from Gimlet. This is Reply All. I'm PJ Vote. And I'm Alex Goldman. Welcome once again to Yes, Yes, No, the segment where Alex Bloomberg asks us questions about things he finds on the internet that he doesn't understand, and we answer them regardless of how important or valuable they might be to his life. (laughs) That's very nice. The intro gets better and better, Goldman. (laughs) Uh, So what have you got for us this week? All right, so I I am bringing you um, a tweet, and uh, this is a tweet from a guy named Rurik Bradbury, uh, at Rurik Bradbury. And the tweet starts, like a lot of tweets starts, something, you know, it's a link, and it says, if you know the backstory, and then parentheses, see at Dave Weigel, WashingtonPost.com, slash news, slash worldview, and parentheses, this is the perfect, all caps, microcosm of the internet. And then there's a, Screen, what is that called? A screenshot. A, a screenshot of another tweet, and the, the screenshotted tweet is from a Twitter account called Classic Picks at History Picks, and then it says, ITS like I-G-H-T-S, off early on the Eiffel Tower for the first time since 1889. And then there's a picture. And then there's a picture of the Eiffel Tower with the lights off. So I'm a little confused here. Like, he's saying this is the perfect microcosm of the internet. And then there's just a picture of the Eiffel Tower from 1889 and from apparently a, a Twitter account that just posts pictures from history and then what was really confusing was the uh was then all the comments on this tweet so the first comment is from a guy named isaac hepworth now i'm assuming this has something to do with the paris this came out shortly after the the terrorist attacks in paris so i'm assuming this has obviously has something to do with the paris attacks so this guy isaac hepworth is saying the ideal coda to the whole episode and then somebody else named jesse lanzer writes ites question mark and then Rurik Bradbury, which I think this feels like a clue, says they even did a sloppy cut and paste. It's modern art, which I'm not exactly sure how that means. And then somebody else wrote, how long until a GOP candidate refers to this in a speech? And then somebody else writes an it unto the world. And then somebody else writes extraordinary disruption, which I don't even know what that means. And then somebody else writes your thinkfluence knows no bounds, which sounds like it would be a funny joke if I understood it. (laughs) Uh, And just... Before going further, uh, I'm a, a little legal disclaimer. When I say this tweet, I mean this tweet and then the screenshot and then all the comments below the tweet. That's what this tweet refers to for, for, for purposes of brevity. Okay. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. PJ Vote, do you know what this tweet means? Yes. Alex Goldman, do you know what this tweet means? Yes. Alex Bloomberg, do you know what this tweet means? No. <sighs> Uh, Where do you start with something like this? You got to start with Jeff Jarvis. 
You're starting with Jeff Jarvis. See, yeah. I know that name. Okay, so what does that name what does that name mean to you, Alex? Jeff Jarvis, I happen to know a lot about because he was an internet, internet pioneer back when I, I was like a little bit more current on the internet. He's a media professor and had a blog or has a blog called uh, Buzz Machine, right? Yes. Yeah. And he's uh, just like a influential writer thinker about the internet. You know, but, some might call yeah. him a thinkfluencer. <laughs> right. So. Jeff Jarvis, as Alex Goldman was sort of teasing towards, like he's somebody who gets um, lumped in with this group of people who people ironically call thinkfluencers, just like people who who seem to be on the like conference, academic, big ideas about technology circuit. Mm-hmm. And at some point, somebody decided to create a Jeff Jarvis parody account, which is crazy. Like it's crazy to have a parody account of somebody who's like an internet academic. Right. If Jeff Jarvis gets a parody account, then who is safe from a parody account? No one. Uh, So the parody account is called Fake Jeff Jarvis. So the bio of the Fake Jeff Jarvis account is Hyperlogical Thinkfluencer, Journalism 3.0 Advocate, Co-Founder at Mogadishu Reinvent Unconference, CEO Mogadishu Capital Partners, LLC. (laughs) And it's a parody of like tech utopian futurism, all the people who are like, all our problems are going to be solved by forthcoming technology. And a tech conference. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The fake Jeff Jarvis is always talking about, like, the latest disruption. And, like, he his tweets are, like, like a good classic fake Jeff Jarvis tweet is... Uh, hold on. I've got one. It says... Um, <laughs> it says, just got some great news that made my day. People are looking at my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> He's just like a giddy, optimistic tech man. Um, and it also seems worth mentioning that Jeff Jarvis hates this account so much. Oh, yeah. He complains about it publicly with a surprising amount of regularity. Uh-huh. Because people confuse him for this guy. And he doesn't – he's done nothing in his life to deserve like – a parody account with 16,000 followers on it. Right. And the guy derives clearly a lot of pleasure from angering real Jeff Jarvis. So fake Jeff Jarvis also just kind of, I think, likes spreading certain kinds of misinformation. Um, Am I getting this right, Alex? It's not so much that he likes to spread certain kinds of misinformation, but he is a huge critic of the way that information travels on the internet. Like the pinned tweet at the top of his account right now is context kills page views. So... He did this thing, which I have to say, like, I really did not like at the time, um, which is after the terror attacks in Paris, fake Jeff Jarvis posted this tweet um, that was a picture of the Eiffel Tower with its lights turned off. Mm-hmm. And it said, wow, lights off on the Eiffel Tower for the first time since 1889. That tweet got 29,000 retweets mm-hmm. and 28,000 likes because... You know, it was like this sad moment and people wanted to like share in the sadness. And this was like a simple, poignant metaphor about um, what had happened in Paris, right? Right. So the first response on this tweet is from Clara Jeffrey at Mother Jones. And she says they go off every night at 1 a.m., which is true. Right. Which fake Jeff Jarvis knew. Uh Uh-huh. So he was sort of making a snarky comment about the fact that when people are very sad about a horrible, violent incident, they don't always fact-check, like, symbolic tweets. Right. Which I thought was kind of a mean joke. It's, I mean, yes. If I were, yes. I know, I know too soon is a 
meme and everything like that. But that was, you know, whatever, too soon. It's like literally, yeah. and it was within hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, like a lot of people are sad about a thing that doesn't directly like. To me, that's actually like one of the nice things about the internet is like people feel things and like they want to express them and whatever. Right. Point is, he does that tweet. It goes on forever. But there's this other like sort of sub area of Twitter, which are these historical picture accounts. Right. They have millions and millions and millions of followers, and they post things like the first time Stalin played baseball, and it'll be some picture, and generally, like, the facts are wrong. Right. Generally, the facts are wrong, or the picture's photoshopped, or the context is just very poorly written. And the reason that these accounts exist is because if they get, like, a critical mass of followers, they can occasionally do a promoted tweet and, like, make serious bank just by tweeting. Uh huh. So, so it's just like it's a way that like you just gin up a bunch of followers on your fake historical picture account until you get to the, to the level where you can charge somebody an arm and a leg to post a promoted content. And they never correct and they never remove. They just put stuff up, and if people point out that it's incorrect, they're just like, oh well. The other thing they will do is uh, steal content very freely. Okay. <laughs> can you see where this is going? <laughs> I can. All right. Whoa. (laughs) I think I just put it together. So what happened? So it sounds like uh, this historical picture account, Classic Pics, sounds like what it did is it took the picture that was on fake Jeff Jarvis's tweet about the Eiffel Tower the first time since 1889. And it just sounds like they just copied and pasted his tweet into their tweet. But they forgot to copy the L. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, wait a minute. (laughs) So they just, they took this fake Jeff Jarvis tweet, which was like, which was not even real in the first place, which was all bullshit. And then they copied it poorly, forgetting to copy the L, put it into their own account and posted it as if it was a real thing. We are it. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It is the perfect microcosm of the internet. Yeah. You are so right, Rurik Bradbury. <laughs> yes. Because it's like humans have a feeling about a big historical event all at the same time. And then smart, snarky humans want to like point out that that feeling is bullshit, everyone. Yeah. So then they make a, you know, a satirical tweet demonstrating everybody's ignorance in the face of tragedy. And then everyone's ignorant in the face of tragedy. <laughs> and then some, some possibly bot with a bogus internet uh, monetizing scheme comes along and copies it poorly <laughs> and makes like tiny amounts of money on like probably like Viagra pills or something. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. And so now I'm understanding all these comments like extraordinary disruption. That would be a thing that fake Jeff Jarvis would say. Yes. And it actually is, like, it actually is, it's, like, very extraordinary. It's disruption of the classic pick business model. Because, like, these, like, the fake historic picture accounts are, like, if your grandparents have a Twitter account, they're, like, following the historical picture account. Yeah. And, like, your grandparents are definitely not following fake Jeff Jarvis. It's, like, it's like if, like, I don't know, like the guys from like Game of Thrones showed up on QVC or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And also 
like history and picture accounts are the kinds of thing that in theory I think like like that like what's the thing context kills page views yeah like it's the kind of thing that fake Jeff, Jeff Jarvis seems to be criticizing like people want to have an experience of looking at history they don't particularly care if it's right or not and so you know this these sort of like lazy historical lies do really well on the internet and it's kind of garbagey and like it's a function of certain internet business models and the fact that his critique of that got subsumed by the thing itself is just like so enjoyable it's amazing it's sort of like watching a a nature documentary and you see something really brutal like you see a bunch of like tiny bugs eating like a proud lion or something and like you wouldn't want to be there and you wouldn't want to be the bugs or the lion but there's something about watching a system work really efficiently even towards an end you don't love that is like really <laughs> satisfying does that make me sound like a serial killer <laughs> no it's the yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, don't it's like don't sugarcoat this for him yes it makes you sound like a serial killer <laughs> No, it makes you sound like a like uh like an ecologist. This is, you're an ecologist of the internet, <laughs> and you've like this is the way the natural system works, and it's very exciting to sort of like work, like put together all the parts. Like, oh, this is this is the arachnid that is like connecting the you know that transfers the bacteria to this that makes this like lake not bloom with algal blooms or whatever. Like they figure out the system. I feel like that's what this feels like. Yes, I want to like take off my pith helmet and like doff it. <laughs> Coming up, we actually have an update on the Yes, Yes, No that you just listened to just seconds ago. And you, yes, you, our listeners, tell us your stories about the most embarrassing message you ever sent online. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at The Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source, The Home Depot. How doers get more done. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Essentia is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Welcome back to the show. Okay, so we recorded that Yes, Yes, No on Monday of this week. As I am recording this, it's Tuesday, and PJ has just asked me and Alex Bloomberg to come back into the studio. Okay, so I brought you guys back here for a reason. Go on. Okay, so that was Monday. Today's Tuesday. Can I tell you how fast-moving the world of parody Twitter is? Sure. So in the last day, fake Jeff Jarvis, no more. What? Yeah. Jeff Jarvis tweeted, happy days, justice at last, and a screenshot of a saying that that account no longer existed. What? Why? Nobody knows. Oh, my God. Not only that, but like, remember when we were reading the comments below that picture? Mm-hmm. One of them was this guy, Rurik Bradbury. Rurik Bradbury was the person who did the original tweet, yeah. tweet that we were discussing. Rurik Bradbury was fake Jeff Jarvis. Which I didn't know. This was not a big reveal except for for me because I was underinformed. Like, the world actually knew that. Wow. Oh. And Rorick Bradbury's personal account, gone. Hmm. I'm wondering if there's some kind of crazy scandal that we don't know about. (laughs) What do you make of that? (laughs) Well, I'm assuming Twitter shut down the account. I wonder if it was the Paris tweet. I wonder if a big uh, parody of people's grief annoyed the powers the block. But that's not how Twitter works. What do you mean it's not how Twitter works? Twitter doesn't just shut you down for... Does Twitter just shut you down? Can you just be shut down by Twitter? You can just be shut down by Twitter. You for, can? For violating their terms of service. If you get enough abuse reports. My counter theory is that that person quit. Rurik Bradbury just quit being Jeff Jarvis? And apparently quit being Rurik Bradbury. He deleted his Twitter. Why would he do that? Maybe... I mean, you've heard of people flaming out. People flame out all the time. So Rurik Bradbury, so this puts like a negative spin on what I thought was a happy story. Now that I know that Rurik Bradbury is fake Jeff Jarvis, the one who did the original incendiary asshole tweet, this was like him sort of like crowing on his own accomplishment. Yeah, instead of an outside observer just observing the ecosystem. It's like the leopard was like, isn't it great how I eat all these tiny animals? (laughs) (laughs) You really ruined... Fuck! You really ruined Alex's day. I wish I didn't know that. I know. I'm sorry, guys. Man, it's such a bummer. So, like, that was just... we Now we're just all, like, Rourke Bradbury's pawns. Yeah, we were It was just him bragging. That tweet was him bragging about, look, who else I suckered. Yeah. Look how far my con has gone. Here's this, like, friendly, ironic observer of, like, you know, the internet, and it turns out it's the fucking guy himself. Yeah. Like, Bruce Wayne being like, God, this Batman fellow sure is impressive, everybody. I know. It's like when it's like when Scott Adams went on Metafilter and was like, I don't blame you for hating Scott Adams. The guy's a real genius. I'd be je- I'd be mad too if I if I about that. I feel he was like, I feel jealous of him too. I wish I made that much money. And he wasn't admitting that he was really Scott Adams? No, he did it under a pseudonym. What a Dilbert. Yeah, he's a real Dilbert. Do you know that this office does have a Dilbert cartoon? No. Right when you walk in on that weird wooden piece of broken yeah, furniture. Yeah, there's a Dilbert cartoon on But it, it feels like an ironic post-apocalyptic reference or something, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Boz. The, the, yeah, like I was, yeah, the one about like, I, I think it's funny to say to people I don't agree with, I just say Ba, that one. Yeah. I never read it. You never read it? You just know it's there. <laughs> All right, yeah. You want me to summarize it for you? Yes. All right, so Dogbert is talking to Dilbert. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Gimlet's fifth podcast is just a Dilbert recap podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's way more popular than anything else. <laughs> All right. Uh, our work here is never done, but done for now. Okay, so now we are going to revisit a segment called Undo, Undo, Undo. So a while back, I I went on the show and I told an incredibly embarrassing story about an IM I accidentally sent to uh, an ex-girlfriend. And the only way I could undo the sending of that was to do a little bit of breaking and entering. Into her home. Okay, I didn't exactly break in. I knocked on the front door, but I just made some bogus excuse to come in. And I said I had to go to the bathroom. I went to the bathroom. On my way back, I took a left turn into her office, and I closed a chat window in which I had written stuff about a person I was dating that I didn't want her to know about. So we asked our listeners to actually... We asked if anybody had had a worse experience or a similarly bad experience of accidentally sending a message to somebody and wishing that they could have undone it, but not being able to, and not being a sociopath who breaks into people's houses, just having to live with the consequences like an adult. I was very young, and... Um, How old were you? I'm living... I'm, How old were you? How old were you? 24. Okay. Did you ever apologize? No, because she doesn't know about it. Okay, so you sent this thing, you're a sociopath, established, you never apologized, you did put it on a podcast. Ugh. Um, And we heard from a bunch of people who had done similar things. So our intern, Kalila Holt, she bravely waded through hundreds. Was it hundreds? It was a hundred. A single hundred. One hundred. That's still a lot of, of voice memos of people telling us the messages they wish they could undo. And can you tell us sort of... Before that, was this the most painful thing you've had to do as an intern here? Um, I don't know about the most painful. Uh-oh. But, yeah, what's been worse? <laughs> <You tell me. laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, the most painful is when I'm trying to write the newsletter and none of you guys are sending me newsletter recommendations. And I'm uh. running out of... Um, tactics to use you never to get people to send me things you never you're always on message like your message is submit to the newsletter read the newsletter and i admire that no matter what you always find a way yeah Great maybe newsletter. we could use this to plug the newsletter <laughs> <laughs> in the podcast then all that work won't have been in vain it is a really good newsletter i gotta say thank you um but yeah it was like six hours so like of the hundred messages about half of them were like, I wrote a mean thing about this person and I accidentally sent it to the person. Okay. That was a very common story. Did a lot of people break into people's homes or is that an exceptionally weird thing to do? <laughs> um, no one. I don't think I heard any about breaking into people's homes. What can I say? You don't have to. Often imitated, never duplicated. Never imitated. <laughs> Of the people who said mean things about other people, those were mostly about coworkers. So a lot of people write stuff they shouldn't at work, I guess, is the message of that. I feel like as someone who used to work in IT, I realized that the IT guys can always look at your email. Really? Even if if you delete it. Really? Oh, yeah. People should know that. Yes. Okay. So about 
eight of these were things that were like, oh, this didn't actually happen to me. It happened to someone I know or like someone sent this to me. Okay. So eight people in the world have their story sent into a podcast who did not consent to it. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, um, and then randomly there were three involving religious officials, three inappropriate responses to tragic news. Hold and on, hold on. Three involving <laughs> religious officials? A lot of people showing inappropriate things to religious officials, yeah. Oh, like you're trying to email your rabbi to reschedule <laughs> a rabbi. Exactly. You were going to say a bris. <laughs> That's the you? only thing I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you're trying to reschedule a bris and you just sent a dirty joke. Okay. Yeah. So you excerpted a lot of the sort of craziest moments from within the voicemails. You built a montage of panic and sadness. Yeah, I just took a bunch of stuff wildly out of context and put it together. That sounds appropriate. Yeah, totally. Uh, So can we hear it? Uh, Yes, you can. The one email that I wish I could undo was a message I sent to my boss's boss's boss. Her name was Janine, and I spelled it J-A-N-I-N-A, and spell check changed it to vagina. We met at a... I was at a grocery store, I think, and uh, met the couple. They brought the trombone. Wait, what was that about the trombone? Um, He met this old couple to buy a trombone in a parking lot, <laughs> and then he decided the trombone was shitty, and he texted someone about how it was a shitty trombone, but he sent it to them and hurt their feelings. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, happy old trombone couple. I still cringe just remembering my choice of words in that comment to say, piece of turd. And up pops a picture, basically a picture of oral sex in front of a room of 40 devout men on the first day of a college course. Turns out someone else had picked up the domain name and put up a a bestiality site. Um, and there it was, a bestiality site, right on the top of my uh, resume of uh, related work. Of course my face turned bright red, and it's turning a little red right now just retelling this. All I could respond was, haha, no worries, no strangle. Okay, so we're not going to get into all of those stories. But, Kaylee, you asked us to call your two favorite people who got in touch. Yeah. Uh, The first one is a woman named Sarah. She was in college, and she was working on a paper. It was the end of the semester. And she stepped away from her computer for a minute. And when she came back, she went to close a file. I go to close the Word program, and it pops up, like, do you want to save your changes? And I'm thinking, well, I haven't made any changes, and... No, I don't want to save this old crappy version. So I click no, and the window shuts. And at that point, all these other different chat windows appear behind it. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Is there a virus on this computer? What's going on? And that's when it kind of dawns on me. Maybe this isn't my computer. (gasps) (laughs) And I turn around behind me, and and I see my bag on the desk behind me. And I just think... Oh my God, what have I done? (laughs) And I see the expression on the face of the girl behind my desk who's looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? And I ask her, it's like, "Uh, do you know who's sitting here? And she's like, yeah, that's my friend's computer. 
like I think I just made a really big mistake. Um, oh. I'll be, I'll be right back. <laughs> so, you know, I was trying to intercept this person. Apparently, she'd like gone to the bathroom or something. And wait, you I wanted, wanted to, get, to tell her before she found out herself. I want, I wanted to tell her before she gets back to her desk. You know, yeah. but. Uh, but that didn't happen because she got back to her desk apparently a second after I left it. So while I'm in the tech room, in she comes and she's a total drama queen. She's just like howling and shrieking like, somebody deleted my essay! <laughs> and, and she's banging her hands against the window. So like now the entire fourth floor is alerted to like some crazy drama that's happening. And meanwhile, everyone else is stressed trying to get to the end of their deadline. So they don't want to hear this. Also, this and is a library. This is a library. It's <laughs> and so in the midst of this, like I've raised this monster basically. And, um, and understandably so, because who does that? Who goes and deletes someone else's essay? I mean, that's a like that I've lost my own work over the years is one thing, but that I've managed to get to the extent where I've deleted someone else's work. <laughs> and she'd been there from the, that morning, you know, so all eight hours of her time had been wasted, thanks to me. Uh, <laughs> and so, and when I had to turn to her, just like, um, I'm really sorry. And she was like, what? Was it you? You know, and kind of sets off all over again. And there's no way to explain to anyone what happened. Like, I don't know what happened. I just knew that suddenly it wasn't my desk anymore, you know? Sarah also told me that a few years after this, a couple days before she was supposed to turn in her thesis, she lost basically the entire thing to some weird computer glitch, which she thinks is part of some like large karmic retribution for this happening. And our last undo story, this is this is a person named Jenny. She was in a situation that I think most people at some point have found themselves in, which is that she had this horrible, overwhelming crush. It was on a guy at work. Like literally she said when she walked by him, she would have this like full body panic reaction where she would start sweating like crazy. They finally got to the point where they had had one casual non-date lunch together. And then he'd seen a movie and he'd texted her about seeing the movie. And she was so excited and freaked out that he texted her that she went to email a friend about it. I, I sent my friend Brooke an email and my email to her was, it was very short. It said, um, he just texted me thinking about each other at the same time. Oh, make it stop, Brookie, please. <laughs> oh. I hit send and it was like the split second after I hit send, that I realized what I had done. So I'm, I remember I'm screaming, and I pick up the phone and call my friend Brooke, who lives in Australia, and I'm freaking out on the phone with her. And, you know, through all this, I'm, I'm realizing, like, oh, my God, like, I can't be talking to her anymore because I need to sit down and, like, actually deal with the situation, figure out how to, like, weasel my way out of this. So I remember sitting down at my computer and... I just, I remember like typing, deleting, typing, deleting, and just got to a point where I was like, I, there's just, there's no story that I could tell that could get me out of this. And as I'm typing this email, I see something pop up in my inbox and I open it. And as I open it, I'm like hoping it's him, but kind of hoping it's not him, just not really knowing what to expect. And when I see that it's him, I'm like, you know, oh, I take a deep breath. And um, all the email says is... Now, why would we want that to stop? Oh. And that was it. <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it really, I don't know. It was just the best 
the best possible thing that he could have said that I could have read. And, and you know, that was uh, maybe eight years ago or something, and we got married two years later, and we just had um, a kid two years ago. So, you know, things are pretty good. <laughs> Okay, so that is like the literally the one out of a hundred exception to this thing. Like she sent an email that she didn't mean to, and it turned into a marriage instead of some horrible embarrassment. For the rest of us who would like this to never happen, who would just like to send the emails they mean to send to the people they mean to send them, I feel like the one like line of defense that I have in my life is that when I I use Gmail, and Gmail actually has this feature that I feel like people don't know about. There's this Gmail feature called uh, undo send where literally like after you send the email you have 30 seconds where you can call it back they just hold on to it and I use that I think a couple times a week where just something stupid and embarrassing is in an email and I just like claw it back uh, I didn't even know that existed which is weird because I feel like you know I feel like I don't usually know more tech stuff than you yeah well <laughs> that remains true because I actually know an app that can one up your undo send like it's a better undoer? Yeah, it's it's like industrial strength. <laughs> really? Yeah. Do you do you want uh to uh send an email that we're gonna regret? No. All right. So uh I have in my hand my credit card. This is like a magic trick. I am going to my Gmail account. Okay. I am going to send an email to our former coworker, Sarah Abdurrahman. A person who loves to mess with you. Yeah, and would absolutely... She would absolutely use your credit card information. Are you going to give her your credit card information? Yes, I'm going to put my credit card in the email. I'm putting my credit card information in the email. And I am writing, here's my credit card info. Go nuts. Okay. All right. I have sent um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not really worried because <laughs> I'm using this app. It's called Cryptext. Uh-huh. And the way that it works is um, I just typed in my credit card information. And when I hit send, this program turns my email into an image. The image is actually hosted not on Gmail. It's hosted somewhere else. So if at any point you want to recall <gasps> it, you can just recall it. So I can just go unsend and it deletes the image. So whenever the person opens their email, the image is gone. That's really devious. Yeah, it's amazing. Not only that, but it allows me to set things to expire. So I set that message to expire after a minute. So it's like Snapchat for your email. That's really good. Would you really use this in your life? This is an it's app. It's a little crazy. This is an app for insane people. Yeah. I, I don't I want to be perfectly clear. This is an app for insane people. But if you wanna if you are into like cloak and dagger shit. Yeah. Let's and, say you're a spy who's having an affair. Or let's just say you like want to tell someone something and then you want to confound them by making them unable to see it again. If it's if it's working off an image that's hosted off site, could you send someone an email and then change the image? So you'd be like, I love you. And then the next time they checked, it'd be like, I loathe you. And then the next time they checked, it'd be like, I love you. No, because the, it's something that's hosted somewhere where you can't change it. But they could make it work that way. Who? Cryptext? Yeah. I mean, if they were wanted to sync their business model. I love you, I loathe you. <laughs> okay, so that's all. 
I, the only thing I would add to all of this is that even though the deadline is now passed for these mortifying stories, if somebody's listening, they're like, I really have one that is way worse than all of this. I would still, we we would still be up for listening to it, right? Like people could still send it. Yeah, I would love to listen to more of these. As much as like it sucks to make a mistake like this as a human. Oh my God, they're so fun to listen to. Thank you for making terrible mistakes. <laughs> also, make Kaylee happy and sign up for our newsletter. Go to replyall.soy. There's a newsletter subscription box in the lower right-hand side of the page. You might have to scroll down a bit. Um, you'll be glad you did, but more importantly, Kaylee will be glad you did. Okay, just one more update to the update to our yes, yes, no. It looks like fake Jeff Jarvis is back on Twitter. However, Rurik Bradbury has not reemerged. Reply All is PJ Vote and me, Alex Goldman. We were produced this week by Tim Howard, Shruti Pinamaneni, and Fia Bennett. Our editor is Peter Clowney. Production assistance and newsletter assistance and undo, undo, undo voicemail listening assistance from Kalila Holt. We were mixed this week by Rick Kwan. Our theme music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder, and our ad music is by Build Buildings. Matt Lieber is finally finding the name of that movie that you saw as a kid that was so weird and vivid that you didn't know if you dreamt it or not. You can find more episodes of Reply All at iTunes.com slash Reply All. Our website is replyall.soy. PJ is very sick today, so you should send him some messages telling him to feel better. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.